Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You need to know exactly where your food's coming from. That's the, the clientele that write the menu every week. Keeping your eyes open and your ear to the ground, essentially, and listening to what people are growing. The integrity, that, that provenance, that ability to not just know where something came from, but to really know the, the ins and outs of how it was raised mm-hmm. is really important. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Capital Cookbook 3 podcast. This is the Quicksand Food Connection, and I am Stefan Poshuma. Today, I speak with Carmen Pierce-Brown. Carmen is one of the founders of Canberra Urban Honey. She's actually speaking really on behalf of her son, Mitchell Pierce, who is the founder and the director of Canberra Urban Honey. If you haven't heard about them before, you might have seen them at the Capital Region Farmers Markets. They're more than just honey producers. They're really goal-orientated in trying to produce a healthy population of bees and pollinators around Canberra. And this involves going into people's backyards, placing hives in residential areas, as well as in commercial areas, and educating people on how to propagate good pollinators around the region. Carmen's really interesting. It's a fantastic community-oriented project. It's not a hugely profit-driven project by any stretch. And I had a great time chatting to her and learning about what they do. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Carmen from Canberra Urban Honey. Carmen um, from Canberra Urban Honey. Thanks for contributing to the Capital Cookbook 3. Just to start with, for people who don't know about Canberra Urban Honey, tell us the story. What's it all about? The story. Well, it started quite a few years ago and it really started, it had its genesis at the Capital Region Farmers Market. And Mitchell was, I'm you know, speaking on behalf of Mitchell here because it's really his gig now. Mm-hmm. And um, I must say it's my pleasure to speak for him while he's in France. <laughs> what a treat that is for him but yeah he's so Mitchell's in France at the moment he's um, at the moment spending some time with a beekeeper he met at Apimondia the international beekeeping conference so I'm sure um, front and centre on his mind at the moment is um, varroa mites so um, that's what he's doing so Canberra Urban Honey yeah started at Capital Region Farmers Market and we were selling our family honey there and we used to get lots of people asking to have hives in their backyard and over time it became um, more intense and people became more desperate and then they started saying they're having a problem with pollination in their backyard fruit and veg, you know. And um, 
people were becoming quite yeah desperate and then we started hearing people were starting to hand pollinate chilies hand wow. pollinating their fruit and veg in Canberra which was really scary so we were on the verge of perhaps of a pollination crisis in Canberra Gee. and so we thought well okay well finally we thought okay <laughs> we'll bring in maybe five hives from our country hives you know and we could just help. So is that where, where you started off your family hives were where, where were they to start with? At that time they're in northern New South Wales so yeah, we okay. have a we've been beekeeping our family's been beekeeping now for nearly 100 years yep. um, and so we had access to hives throughout New South Wales. Mm -hmm. We brought them in, um, we just thought as a community project at the time and to help generate um, interest and to find people who would like to be involved, we ran a small crowdfunded campaign mm -hmm. and it was incredibly difficult to do that. <laughs> and then as we were at nearly at the end, that's when we realised it's incredibly difficult because it's the first time that it's been done um, for an agricultural project in Australia. So that was amazing to be part of that and um, to really set the scene then. And lots of people have followed behind now, so in the crowdfunding space in agriculture. So it was really exciting and innovative, generated a huge amount of community interest. And then that kind of exposed the extent of the pollination problem and the lack of bees in Canberra. And now Canberra Urban Honey really is striving to um, overcome those problems. Mm, amazing. Did, has it been sort of tracked what the pollination, the, the causes of the pollination problem in Canberra? No, we've only got anecdotal kind of evidence and um, based on what people think is happening. But Canberra, and we've been, you know, beekeeping in Canberra now for quite some time, but just on a small scale, it seems the Canberra climate is quite treacherous. It is yep. a difficult climate to manage and so for bees and then probably any kind of pollinator it's quite difficult so cold and then the spring is um, can be unpredictable and so there's not always a lot of food for those little pollinators including bees and so that means you know little butterflies maybe they're not getting the food that they need to survive and then help in our backyard fruit and veg mm -hmm. and so how does like specifically how does then what urban honey does and you know I, I, is, is it just sort of increasing the number of hives around around town and the the way that they're positioned that that just sort of yep. makes that sort of bee population more vibrant yep. and, and helps with pollination that's how it started but Mitchell's really got a so Mitchell's really taken it over now I was involved in the beginning but I'm becoming less involved as Mitchell takes over and mm -hmm. um, becomes a force to be reckoned with really in the <laughs> beekeeping sustainability world and yeah very proud that he's won so many awards as he has but so Mitchell's really driven an increased understanding I think in the community around what pollinators and particularly bees need to survive so yes it's about placing bees in people's backyards but also driving changes in the plants that people have in their gardens making sure that bees have access to lots of varied pollen and nectar producing plants so that they have food to survive the winter mm -hmm. so for example mm. um i think that people have an understanding of the importance of bees and a healthy bee population but me included that understanding is not very deep we yeah. know that there's a problem but we don't know what the problem is and what the ramifications of it are do you can you maybe give us a bit of an explanation of that yeah. okay um so so on a micro level when we have a really wet winter like we're having this year 
what that does is if there's any flowers on trees or plants it, the rain will flush out the nectar and the pollen out of the little flowers down into the dirt and so it's not there for mm. pollinators to use for food equally in the summer if we have really hot drying winds it um, removes all the pollen from the flowers so environmental factors play a role but also in our environment the increased use of pesticides so we really encourage people to use less pesticides because um, pesticides on plants you know then it's on the pollen and then little bees and little butterflies they're insects they're going to get killed just like the yucky little bugs that we don't want on our plants mm. as well um, and so one of the things that we did early on was have a meeting with the ACT government and talk about their use of um, pesticides and their long-term use of pesticides. And even the ACT government is on board now and trying to reduce the amount of pesticides they're using for management of our urban forest. Um, yeah, and then planting bee-friendly plants. So, for example, in our urban forest, we've encouraged the government to think about food, the way the urban forest contributes to food for pollinators so planting trees that have flowers that produce a nectar and a pollen that's of interest for bees and mm -hmm. butterflies and and then also in our you know our suburban gardens conifers are pretty and they're low maintenance but there's nothing there for bees and butterflies and so we really need people to plant things like those native gardens with the bottle brushes and things so that there's food for mm -hmm. our pollinators yeah that's great um, yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, hopefully it is something that, that continues to grow and evolve and people get an understanding of. Um, when you first started putting, you know, hives in interesting places, people's backyards and commercial spaces and, and, and things like that, as you were saying, people were talking to you at the farmer's markets about it. What's, what's the sort of progression when someone rocks up to the farmer's market and says, Hi, I've got a commercial piece of land or a building or a backyard and I want hives in it. What's the, what's the process from that to the jars that we've got in yep. front of us? Okay, first thing we do is ask people to send us an email because we do have a process now where we can track people. Yep. We kind of have a, a database of people almost. Um, just um, So we have a process now of managing those inquiries. When we first started, we didn't have that and we were in quite a mess and it was... <laughs> oh, it was quite overwhelming because we had so much community interest but we have a process now so we say please send us an email through our website which um, is um, .com. Okay. Um, that brings you into our um, management system we um, send you out our routine response of thank you and explain that it's a minimum of maybe 700 square meters for a suburban block to, for our process because that's what we've found because of you know shadows with buildings and things we often find around 700 square meters is what we need to make it work doesn't matter about what plants you've got in your garden because um, bees forage for up to three kilometers mm -hmm. um, we explain that we ask people now to make a contribution to the cost of having the hives because mm -hmm. Canberra urban honey doesn't pay for itself it doesn't generate enough income so we need some support to of manage course. the costs um, and then it's a matter of being you know on a waiting list and um, we group people together. So, for example, I, at the moment we don't have any hives in the suburb of Farrah. But if we were to go to Farrah, that suburb, we would look for hive hosts mm -hmm. in Farrah and then we kind of group them together and that's about managing the workload 
because the workload related to beekeeping in Canberra is quite different to doing it in the country. It's quite labour intensive and takes a lot of time, so we try to group people together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we manage most of our inquiries now through email. Um, we're always open to collaborations. Um, Mitchell now is managing the majority of those, and um, so any collabor- opportunities to collaborate with local producers. Um, we really value that because we think the Cam- although Canberra can have a little bit of a problem with pollinators, it's a fantastic urban agricultural scene, mm-hmm. and of course the foodie scene is amazing. It's really blossomed in a way that we've kind of been part of it, I guess, um, that we couldn't have imagined. And it's it's quite exciting and um, such wonderful, interesting people. So mm. yeah, always um, interested in collaborating with people and. Honey so what are some of the collaborations then, maybe? Oh, well, um, so with Realm Hotel, for example, mm-hmm. they've it's um, really a community focus and then leading to the Realm Hotel supporting homelessness um, through selling the Canberra Urban Honey to people who stay at the Realm Hotel, for yep. example. Like, that is something that's really innovative. Um, another one is with Pialago Estate. So Pialago Estate needed pollination of their orchard so mm-hmm. Mitchell's got hives out there and um, didn't harvest any honey this last season or not a lot of honey um, because it was such a difficult season but eventually there'll be Pialago honey yep hmm, I'm thinking what else Mitchell's collaborated with Honor Coffee yep um, and was part of the coffee competition that was going on I'm, um, it was all um, very Mitchell <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I was just on the sidelines yeah so that's another one that happened yeah awesome yeah so it's quite great. a few I think that uh you know in the Canberra food community whether it be producers or chefs or hotels or restaurants everyone might be focusing on their own specific interests but as a whole everyone's working towards you know supporting one another to create such a great the, the great food culture that we have here now yes yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. um another one that comes to mind re- a recent collaboration that mitchell did was with bombolini donuts mm-hmm. so that's been it's fun a good marriage yeah, yeah yeah i mean we think you know it works really well but um it's just embracing everyone that comes along and everything that's new and working together for mutual gain yeah that's I think that's the underpinning, as yeah. you say. Yeah. And so, so someone's contacted you, and then you've said, "Okay, we're we're ready to put some hives on your block or in your yard or wherever it is." And then, what's the next step? You guys come in. Yep, we come in and have a look at the yard. Yep. Um, if there is a significant amount of shadow in the yard, that might mean that the yard's not suitable because we've always got our mind to surviving the winter. Yeah. So if a hive is going to be in shadow a lot you know it means the hive's going to be really cold and it just won't work yeah. best that we put it in the neighbor's yard or something or somewhere else unfortunately um animals unfortunately if people have got pets can um create some challenges mm-hmm. for having beehives and that's about safety of the pet too because you know sometimes bees don't like the smell of dogs mm-hmm. and um also about us being able to get into the yard to work the hives like our mm. worst nightmare is that we might let someone's dog out and mm. <laughs> out of the yard inadvertently so we have yeah. to talk that through um and then so children. once you yeah so once you've set up the hives then you're basically sort of ready to go 
Yeah, and we bring them in, bring them in usually in the night and then um, sit them there. We come, through the summer, we come more often weekly to fortnightly. Yeah. Yeah, and just do work the bees as much as we can and we invite people to be involved and we often have people looking in with a borrowed bee suit or something. Yeah, great. Yeah, which is really good. That's interesting. Yeah, but often people are working and um, yet we're visiting the hives through the work day, you know, through the week. Um, but as much as we can, we get people involved. And then the bonus is they get some of the honey. And That's great. Yeah, we we can usually promise a kilo of honey, but we <laughs> can't always guarantee that there'll be extra honey because we put the health of the hive first. Of course. And there have been times when we've not taken any honey off the hives. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so talking about the honey, we've got Belconnen honey and Ainsley honey. Um, the flavour of honey is that that's pretty dependent on what the bees are feeding on, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you can can you taste the difference between Canberra's different suburbs? Definitely, definitely. And <laughs> we were really surprised, I must say. We thought it might vary between maybe Gungarland and Tuggeranong. We well, can see a big colour difference between the yeah. Ainsley one and the and the Belconnen one just just looking at it. It's remarkable, and the Belconnen honey is often dark. Um, we've had one or two hive hosts that might have had a light honey, but then it goes dark like it might be light in the early part of the season but then by the end of the season it's all dark so it's always it seems always dark and always has an citrusy maybe orangey taste to it sometimes i would say it's funky but yep. people love it it's unique that's for sure <laughs> yeah exactly that's good <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then the ainsley one a bit a bit lighter always seems to be a bit lighter and that's we think basically because ainsley the back of mount ainsley you know um, it's basically a yellow box forest up in there. Right. So it ha- often has a lot of yellow box um, nectar and you know yellow box honey, and then sprinkled through with a bit of specific Ainsley neighbourhood variety, which whatever whatever, whatever people have is. in their yards. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's great. That makes it so unique and interesting. Um, you know, when you when you buy a jar of honey and it says yellow box honey. Is there is is that sort of like can people confirm that it's just yep. yellow box honey? Yes. How, do, how, how, do, how do you know where the bees are feeding exactly? Like, you can tell. Well, we can tell by the taste. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, f- and it's based on our country, ex- you know, our exposure of country beekeeping, where we have our hives in a in just a yellow box forest or yeah, okay. just really a stringy bark forest, and so when the bees are gathering that honey, you know, eventually we develop a flavour memory. And so we can recognise the flavours. It's got particular types of honey, like the yellow box has got a usual colour and a very distinct flavour yeah, right. and okay. an aroma as well. Interesting. Hmm. When So we're in winter now and the hives are closed and they're having a bit of a sleep. Mm-hmm. When do you open them back up? Early spring. Mm-hmm. First, first weather that's like over 15 and calm, getting close to 18 degrees and no wind will start to open them mm-hmm. but you might only have an hour's window to do that so we don't open them a lot just a little peek yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and see if they need any support from us like often bees might need um, a little bit of nutritional support to help them through the winter yeah excellent and w- one other question what does floriard have a impact on canberra urban honey Yes, in that the visitors are often very keen to taste the honey. Right. And also has an impact on our workload because in the past we've done a lot of volunteer work at 
Right, okay. Floriade. So it has lots of effect. And then for the bees, you know, those flowers, they're there for a month. So we imagine the hives at the realm, for example, are probably visiting there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Well, that's cool. Um, Quickly, where can people find Canberra Urban Honey? Well, we're still at Capital Region Farmers Market and also in multiple um, IGAs across Canberra mm-hmm. at the Essential Ingredient. Um, and you've got a list of your retailers on your website? Yes. Which is, yes. again? CanberraUrbanHoney.com. Fantastic. Carmen, thank you so much for contributing. Thanks for talking to us. It's a great thing that you guys are doing. It'd be good if Mitch could be here, but unfortunately he's having fun in France. But, um, yeah, <laughs> wish you all the best for the future because it's such a, such a cool thing. My pleasure, and thank you for the opportunity. Awesome. Thanks, Carmen. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Carmen from Canberra Urban Honey. If you want to find out more about what they do, you can visit their website, canberraurbanhoney.com.au. If you want more of these podcasts, you can go to quicksandfood.com and click on the podcast link where you can find the whole season from the Capital Cookbook 3. And if you want to keep up with all news, you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at quicksandfood. Thanks for listening to this episode and we'll see you again next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.